In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, if you have a collection of scripture readings that just have so many goodies in them, it's a temptation for the preacher to become a tour guide through a candy shop and to spend the entire time showing you the 117 different kinds of candy. And this is one of those days of of lessons, so many ways to go. But to avoid my tendency to do that very thing, I'm going to give you a taste sampling first so that we at least get to what we can actually savor today. The idea will be something like this, that we are marvelously made by God, and the marvel is what God can do. And we are even more marvelously restored, uh, healed, uh, put back together throughout our lives. And this is wondrous. And the wonder is how God does that. And then the third wondrous thing is how in this process of restoration over and over again, we are also asked to be vessels so that others can receive and enjoy that kind of of deliverance and healing that God gives. So wonderful is God in our making, wonderful in our own restoration and wonderful in the way that we are called to be used to be part of God's restoration to others. So let's jump into a couple of these places and uh, maybe get another taste of the same themes. First, let's go to the psalm that was ours today. Our Psalm 139 today is, is unique, I think, in all of the Psalter. There's just something different about the tone and the structure of it. Uh, A lot of the other psalms kind of sound the same. This is a a praise of God in a detailed form, really getting into the nitty-gritty of how we are made. In our psalm today, what we find is, is a reason to praise God. And I'm going to start from verse 12 and just look at some of this. For you yourself, God, created my inmost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will thank you because I am marvelously made and your works are wonderful and I know it well. My body was not hidden from you while I was being made in secret and woven in the depths of the earth. Well, this is that first taste of how amazing God is that he put these bodies of ours together, that he put together the entire cosmos, but concentrating today on how does this all work? There are millions and millions of things that have to go together for us to have these bodies, but there's more than that. He's also breathed into us a life force our souls, which animate and make that part of life itself to exist in a perfect way within us. 
some small part of life is in us to make us alive. And the fact that these bodies and minds have this perfect fit with that part of God's own life that makes us alive is just amazing. You are a person with the force of life within you. Now, let's drop in from there to where Paul is trying to coach the Corinthians into saying, I know this is difficult, this Christian life. In fact, it's terrible. It's always revealing how limited we are, how frail we are. Paul could be saying to them in this letter, I myself know of the vulnerability of just being physical creatures of God. There are all kinds of ways in which we get beat up, literally by beatings, by imprisonments, by harassment, by hunger, by shipwreck. Paul could be saying all of these things tucked into this. And he says that uh, in all of these little deaths that we experience, each time we are set back, there's something of God in that. We experience kind of a connection. We hold in ourselves the, the death of Christ that we might also then hold out to others the life of God. He compares us to earthenware vessels, to clay pots, like this little one here, Echo in Mexico. And it's, in fact, I even see the cracks on this little handle. And if I drop it, it will break. Set it down. Uh, very humble, these vessels that we are. And yet, what makes the glorious part? They contain a treasure. The treasure of the very light of God that we recognize from God's own self. Something of the light of Christ can be carried in these clay jars. I mean, that's the whole thing. A jar can be very simple. And yet it can hold out something that can be life-giving to another. I mean, ask Father Bates sometime to tell you a little bit more about the, the Dead Sea Scrolls and where they came from and where they were stored. Because something of a treasure for biblical scholars was held in clay jars for centuries, from nearly back to the time of Jesus himself, for this ancient little group that cared about these things, hid them there from that far back. But we're talking more about today and how you are yourself, like Paul made the metaphor, vessels of the light of Christ to others. Now, this is good news for you. Because you will experience in your own fashion the kinds of uh, evidence of your own frailty and your own vulnerability as you go through things that are nearly too hard to go through. 
last night, Jennifer and I went to the, uh, uh, to the Paul Simon concert at the Toyota Center. It's part of his farewell tour. And uh, an amazing giant sampling of his body of work it was. Uh, I mean, he, he's in the 70s, but I'm, he, his voice is just as you know it and want it to be. His band is, well, we get a taste of this kind of talent every week, but these dozens of people playing hundreds of different instruments was amazing. He's one to be sort of taken with a variety of rhythms from all over the world, West Africa and Latin and Zydeco and uh, you name it. If it's got a beat, he's picked it up. And then from the beat, he goes to the tune. And from the tune, he goes to the lyrics. And suddenly, you have things that will move you in a quiet moment of thought or have you dancing even while you're sitting. So this is a great artist, but what I want to take us to is an example of his revealing of the frailty of our own lives. You know, you remember the song, uh, you remember the, uh, the song that really comes from one of his, the middle uh, of, his, of his career, uh, Graceland. Graceland. Now, uh, on the very surface of things, uh, this text will show you that it's, it's just a song about a road trip with a dad and his nine-year-old boy, and they're going to Memphis, and they're going to see one of the points of interest there, Graceland, you know, the old home of Elvis Presley. Now, if you're an Elvis fan, it's going to be a splendid thing to go see, I'm sure. I've only seen the outside. But in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not like w Windsor Castle. It, probably not. It's, it's probably more like the state-of-the-art technology and color scheme from the 60s and 70s. I mean, you will see shag carpet. I just, I've never seen it, but I know you will. You'll probably see harvest gold and avocado green somewhere in there. But in its day, I'm sure it was grand, and it's still, for the Elvis fan, uh, an amazing thing. I mean, it's the palace, it's the mansion of the king. But really, let's look. This is not a song just about a road trip. As beautiful a story as it is for a dad and his son to be going and experiencing something together, this is a story about love and loss and a desire for healing. It's about a man who is in the middle of getting over something, maybe tragedies he's caused, maybe tragedies he's just received, but think about the, the lines in that song, losing love, I know, losing love is like a window in your heart. Everybody sees you're blown apart. Everybody hears the wind blow. 
but I'm going to Graceland, Graceland in Memphis, Tennessee. Poor boys and pilgrims and families, we're all going to Graceland. I mean, now it's more than a road trip. It's a story of, of pilgrims that are limping and hurting and needing something, and they're heading not into that one spot of Graceland, but the grace that comes to you wherever you are, a looking ahead to the redemption of God out there in your life, so that once you receive it, you have some restoration. You have some mending that can be done in your own life. For your sake and for the sake of others. I mean, to move from a modern poet to an older story, think of the the experience of Joan of Arc, who reflected when abandoned by those who stood, should have stood by her, said, it is better to be alone with God. His friendship will not fail me, nor his counsel, nor his love. In his strength, I will dare and dare and dare until I die. I mean, there is somebody who has been wounded and yet understands that the strength that comes within her is greater than her clay pot of a body. Or since we've dealt with uh, those two stories, we kind of hit right in the middle to a 19th century poet Robert Browning, where he says, if I stoop into a darkness, a dark, tremendous sea of cloud, it is but a time I press God's lamp close to my breast. Its splendor soon or late will pierce the gloom, and I shall emerge one day. None of us can escape those chips that happen to the clay. None of us can escape that crack that emerges. Because whether it is dramatic to anyone's consideration or dramatic just to us, it's big in our lives. And God is the one who comes among us. Pop for one and a half minutes over to the gospel where Jesus is tuned in to the job that he has to do even though people are out to get him any way they can so focused on the rules of the Sabbath so knowing that he will slip up in some way that they can convince a crowd to come against him and yet he presses on what are all these rules for? except to push us toward being fed with this grain that's here for the taking, making ourselves available to this man whose hand can be restored to fullness and strength. You see, our little clay pot is filled with the light and wonder of God, not only so that we can be restored, 
but so that somebody else who needs full restoration can experience the healing of God as well. It's an amazing thing. Sometimes we're going to feel as worn out as, as Eli was when he was like trying to get the boy to stop waking him up. This Eli in the, in the story of Samuel whose eyesight was fading and whose favor uh, with the Lord was kind of getting all, all off kilter. And the Lord was calling out not a grand figure but a, a, a small boy in whom he had been investing himself. This Samuel who's on his bed, who keeps hearing his name, Samuel, Samuel, get up. And he keeps going, thinking it's Eli. Eli finally figures out. The next time, address the Lord and say, Lord. And that's exactly what happened. Suddenly he was redirected. Though a small clay pot, he was filled with a new purpose. Some part of God's purpose is yours. So maybe we can all be on that pilgrimage to Graceland. And maybe you will be that earthenware jar filled with a treasure. When you hear the call, say, Lord, your servant listens. Amen.